Jodie Comer has been waving the Scouse flag high of late. Since her critically acclaimed and globally recognised role in Killing Eve, she's made her West End debut with her spellbinding solo performance in Prima Facie and has starred alongside Stephen Graham in international Emmy Award-winning COVID-inspired drama Help. Stephen Graham himself trained at the Everyman Theatre, and in addition to the 2022 musical Matilda, This Is England and Gangs of New York, has starred in Peaky Blinders, shot in Liverpool, and British Academy TV award-winning drama Time, written by the city's screenwriting legend, Jimmy McGovern. Think of Liverpool in the TV world today, and these are the names you'll likely hear. And it's not just the actors and screenwriters from the city that are leading the way in the British TV and film landscape. Liverpool itself is often the star of the show, as it boasts iconic architecture for local stories or doubles as foreign or fictitious towns. Back with our boots firmly on the set in the city, who are the people pushing the Liverpool film scene? There's about 300 projects every year that shoot in Liverpool. Things like Captain America, Sherlock Holmes, and then Fantastic Beasts and Batman. And with huge productions being filmed in Liverpool, who are the individuals on the ground, the crew and supporting cast? We head back to the 80s and the beginning of Liverpool's excellent record in TV and film. I do remember going to the cinema to see Letter to Brace Never and being really excited about it. It was going to put Liverpool on the map. Liverpool was going to be the next Hollywood. And so it it was a moment caught in time. This is the National Museum's Liverpool podcast. I'm content producer Megan India McGurk, and we, alongside our partners, Melodic Distraction Radio, thread together stories from our collections with experiences of people in Liverpool today, exploring connections between past and present. We start off with a story from Melodic Distraction presenter Mia Thornton. In the bleak post-war streets of New York, a barefoot and newly superhuman Steve Rogers, played by Chris Evans, bewilderedly dodges oncoming traffic in a bid to pursue an undercover agent who blew up a lab. If you've seen the Marvel classic, Captain America, the first Avenger, then you'll be familiar with the epic four-minute-long chase scene between Steve Rogers and a secret Hydra agent. Of course, we're undoubtedly in a 1940s construction of New York, In reality, we're actually over 3,000 miles across the North Atlantic in the lively city of Liverpool, more specifically, Stanley Dock. Outside of London, Liverpool is ranked as the most filmed city in the UK, often dubbed the Hollywood of the North. It almost feels like everyone you speak to has got some sort of story about being an extra or having some connection to films. That's Karen O'Rourke, one of the curators at Museum of Liverpool. I mean, I think certainly, you know, driving around the city and and working in the city centre, it does feel like there's a new film being filmed every other week. The city's thriving film scene is something Karen and co-curator Claire Cunliffe were thrilled to bring to the new Wondrous Place Gallery, which reopened in the Museum of Liverpool earlier this year. The gallery always celebrated the great music, sports and theatre of the city, but the redevelopment has also seen film come to the fore. 
I mean, it's a it's a real range, you know, from from the baseball bat that Stephen Graham uses in Little Boy Blue, through to Tommy Shelby's pocket watch, through to Jodie Comer's uh, one of her outfits that she's that she kills someone wearing. Um, it's a massive, massive kind of variation of material. But it wasn't all done alone. The Liverpool Film Office were critical in providing a hands-on sense of filming in Liverpool today. There's some key projects that elevated the city that were great. So things like Captain America, sort of Sherlock Holmes, and then Fantastic Beasts and Batman. That's Kevin Bell, project manager at the Liverpool Film Office, who's keen to explain how Liverpool has acted as many other cities around the world. There's about 300 projects every year that shoots in Liverpool. Um, Probably about six or seven different high-end dramas. New York, Washington, Moscow... Uh, Philadelphia recently uh, and hopefully again you know we're we're looking for uh, Kansas for a production at the moment um, as well as you know the same productions Kansas, Ibiza uh, and about three other cities London a lot of the time Um, and then you know like the Batman you know sort of fictitious environments or semi-fictitious environments you know we let the, the creatives do the, the creative thinking. You know, we help get the canvas ready, essentially. With getting the canvas ready, including doubling as New York in Florence Foster Jenkins and again in Alfie, Liverpool clearly has its acting career laid out for it. But what is it about the city that makes it such a great canvas? We've, over quite a long time, created a very attractive hub uh, for filmmakers and... Um, First and foremost, the environment, the architecture. And well, not just the architecture. Um, Merseyside and the Liverpool city region are quite small geographically. And within that, you've got quite rural areas in Wirral, South Wirral, Formby, coastline, beaches, metropolis cities. So if you're a drama in particular, you can shoot in these different environments in the same day, which is for other cities is quite unusual. We coined the world in one city years ago, but we, you know, we're a port city. You know, the influence architectural in the city is broad because we're a port city. You know, we're you know a great melting pot, which is that when people come to Liverpool, they can see part of their home here. Liverpool morphs into worlds, from the comic book city of Gotham to the fantasy Muggle London and Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. But Liverpool itself has changed dramatically over time. One of one of my favourite films is is featured, um, and it's favourite. It's a bit of a strange film to say, but it's called Violent Playground, and it dates back to about 1958. And it stars Stanley Baldwin as the as the and it was filmed in and around the Bullring um, housing estate and Carroll Gardens. And it shows Liverpool just after the Second World War. It's a black and white film. So much of Liverpool is still a bomb site at that point. And, and I think that that's one of the things that you get from the films and you'll continue to get from the films over time is just that kind of sense of place and architecture. And, yeah, when you, you see the kids, they run out of the housing estate and they, they go into the city centre and it looks so different. As, as someone who didn't live here, didn't grow up here, it's really interesting to see to see those scenes for me. And I think quite a lot of our films, um, certainly the earlier stuff does that. But even today, I think, you know, kind of The Batman was probably one of the latest films that we featured. Um, and I think, you know, in five or ten years' time, even that will, will surprise people in how different the city looks, even in that period of time. <laughs> 
And as the city progresses, so does the industry. Kevin and his team are constantly striving to create more opportunities for the people of this city. The environment in, in Merseyside is ever-changing, and as always has been, there'll always be productions attracted to that environment. We need to just make sure that the foundations and that canvas is there, so it's building on it's building them foundations in the crew sort of base that's here uh, in volume, but also letting them enhance their skills. And then build an infrastructure like studios, so they're not coming here just to shoot on location, they're coming here to build the set, and that makes them here for longer, that invest in local talent. And so for us, uh, we're confident that the future's quite, particularly the short to medium term, you know, is potentially very strong, and we're projecting growth, as we have done for the last couple of years, and that to continue, um, because more of them productions are looking at not just Liverpool, but the, the Northwest as a whole, um, as probably Europe's second biggest production hub. Founded in 1989, the Liverpool Film Office was the first of its kind in the United Kingdom, and over the years has promoted Liverpool to TV and film producers. They have, and continue to, exert themselves so that the rest of us are able to experience Liverpool in whatever way we choose, knowingly and unknowingly. From the dirt-ridden brummy streets of Peaky Blinders to the high-speed car chase of Fast and Furious 6. But for Kevin, it's the community spirit I know to be so quintessentially Scouse that really makes it a fantastic industry to work in. So, uh, quite a memorable one for me was about, it's about 15 years ago, there was a Hovis commercial that was quite highly celebrated because uh, it was 125 years of Hovis at the time, which all seemed a bit boring, but... Um, we actually created all the, the key events that had happened in the UK over that 125-year period within Liverpool. But it was a, a crew the same size of a major feature film, about 500, doing things like the Blitz and Demolishing Streets. And we turned it round in two weeks. So within that, there's a, a, a celebration of VE Day in one of them, uh, which actually the, the street party was the residence of that street. So normally a production would spend months, get a load of extras in, speak with all the residents, but like, no, we need to see around this quickly. So it was like, let's find the street, which was in Garston, and then speak to all the residents and just basically put on a street party. So it was little things like that really coming together that quickly. That for us, that's the sweetest feeling. The Liverpool Film Office coordinates stakeholders from the police to the public closing off roads, coordinating timetables, and setting the stage for filmmakers to land takes securely in the can. Crews can be 500 people or more, with whole cities built up around the leading stars and supporting roles in triple digits. Fantastic Beasts had 800 extras in one dinner scene with a specific costume for each one. So who are the sporting cast and what's it like being an extra in your home city at the start of a great era for Liverpool film and TV? Joe Connor was an extra in films, TV and adverts in the late 80s and early 90s. She had small speaking parts in Blonde Fist and Dancing Through the Dark and one swear word in In the Name of the Father. Proudly playing the part of Bin Lady, her name is even up with Emma Thompson and Daniel Day-Lewis in the credits, thanks to order of appearance. In her late teens, she was in The Man from the Prue, and yet her story began earlier than that, when she was back at school. 
So the first time I did any extra work, I was about 14 years old and I was going to the Playhouse Youth Theatre, which now I think is an amalgam. There's the Everyman and the Playhouse uh, Youth Theatres, but they were separate many years ago in the 80s when I was a teenager going to the Playhouse. And one day at one of our youth theatre meetings, the... Um, the youth worker came, the drama worker came and said, oh, there's a film being made in Liverpool. It's really exciting. It's all Liverpool cast. It's set in Liverpool. It's a really good local story. They're looking for people to be extras um, and be behind the scenes in a nightclub. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be, you know, fun and it'll be a really good day out. So that was kind of how I got started. I was still at school. At that age, who would say no to playing in a film? Especially when the scene was going to be shot in the notorious state nightclub, which Joe and her peers would be swiftly turned away from in real life, being fresh-faced and under 18. But playing their part in this film turned out to be much more than just a fun day out. It was the time of the new romantics, and as heavily eye-lined extras spilled out of local art colleges and onto film sets, Joe had the sense she was part of a movement. I do remember going to the cinema to see Lester Brezhnev and being really excited about it. And, and for the film, not even really for my little part in it, but just to, to see the film and the story, because there'd been so much local buzz around it and local news and radio, and it was it was going to put Liverpool on the map. Liverpool was going to be the next Hollywood. And so it did kind of seem as though it was it was a moment caught in time. It was the start of something big for Liverpool. Um, but obviously, as a local person, in hindsight, not a 14, because there wasn't a lot of going on in my head of 14, <laughs> but in hindsight, um, obviously, you think about the, the exposure and the industry and the economy around the city that it obviously brought even for things that weren't set in Liverpool, but they did, there was like a, a little kind of window where there were quite a few Liverpool set films and TV dramas were being made. Letter to Brezhnev was part of a raft of Liverpool screenwriting that depicted the hard realities of northern working-class lives in the 70s and 80s, including Phil Redmond's Brookside and Alan Bleasdale's Boys of the Black Stuff, both in 1982. Letters to Brezhnev, released in 1985, opened doors for cinema in Liverpool and continued to give Scousers a voice. It follows two women who, trying to escape the banality of their jobs and economic circumstances, are looking for a certain romance in life. It was the first time people saw themselves reflected on screen, really. It was a, it was a, a working-class story and it was a woman's story as well, so much about aspiration and... And, and wanting a better life. I think that resonated with me as I got older and kind of reviewed the film. Here, the state nightclub seems to encapsulate the feelings of the people, place and time. It still had like a really kind of like vibrant atmosphere and that hope in the air that, oh, you know, you might meet the person of your dreams if, you know, by 11 o'clock, if you haven't copped off kind of thing, there's still the chippy at the end of the night and that was... I think that's something you see in Letter to Brezhnev and that, that is really quite an authentic thing of the time, yeah. For a lot of people, I think it was a truth of the time. You know, they had dead-end jobs, they, they did have aspirations and, and talent and ability and they wanted something better, you know. But um, 
So I think I think it kind of caught that moment. It caught that zeitgeist in Liverpool at the time really well. And it has so much affection, I think, with people from Liverpool. I think in some ways it's it's kind of timeless, although it's very set in its particular, you know, 80s era when it was made. It's very contemporary. But I think a lot of a lot of what it says about about Liverpool, about being young and about being from a from an area that was very deprived, as Liverpool was, unemployment was really high. Um, yeah, I still think it stands up today as a as a good movie to watch on a Friday night. The young women in Letter to Brezhnev found their romance that night when they met two Soviet soldiers and the lead, Elaine, played by Alexandra Pig, dares to follow her new love to the Soviet Union in the hope of a better life. But what about Jo? Where did her aspirations lie and how did the Liverpool film scene play a part in her development? At 14, I was quite determined and aspirational that I was... I, I had far highfalutin ideas. I was going to be in the Royal Shakespeare Company, so, you know. <laughs> Turns out, there was a much broader benefit of being involved in the film scene for Joy, one that carried her through her life. And I actually got into the whole idea of drama to help with communication, to help with confidence, to meet different people, because at school I was being bullied. And for me, it was a chance to meet other people with similar mindset who um, maybe were interested in being creative and weren't in the same mindset as the people I was going to school with. So I had gone very into myself, which bullying can do. And so it was really good to to be in an environment where I wasn't being judged and being having kind of holes picked in to my uh, appearance, it was just meeting other creative kind of like minds. And that's really nice, I think, for for any young person uh, where, you you know, you find your fam, as they say these days. Joe is not alone. Many people head to the land of make-believe to, in fact, find their true selves. You know, a lot of people go to youth theatre just because it's great fun. They meet people. Maybe they're a little bit shy and they've been kind of pushed in that direction by parents because it brings you out of yourself. It, it was a great experience at the time and I would say to anybody, you know, if you get a chance to work on a film set, do so because you do learn lots of things. And it might not be for all of them because obviously not everybody wants to be in front of the camera or put themselves on display. So it isn't for everyone. But if if you do have an inkling that you might like it, try it. And it doesn't have to be a career it could you know it could be we know that it's really really hard to have a career in in that sphere but just for for meeting people for being creative for doing things that take you a little bit out of your comfort zone and that will just build your confidence in leaps and bounds so I would definitely if you're thinking about it I would definitely recommend it I wonder, what happened to the new romantic extras as they graduated from art college, fresh with creativity, but potentially lacking in career? For Jo, she still uses acting to this day, helping people in a really meaningful way. Most like me have kind of morphed into other careers and actually now working for the National Health is about two or three people just in the area that I work who are ex-actors. I work for the Life Rooms now and... um, Life Rooms Liverpool and we are an NHS service that provides 
advice and also um, learning sessions for people who are having mental health issues. So I often present learning sessions for for people who will sign up, um, whether that's presentations or education sessions about dealing with mental health or it might be things that can help you. So um, part of the time I work in the everyman and we run acting up for confidence classes. So, you know, it's it's still there. It's still kind of part of the DNA. I'm still using those kind of tools and that experience. But now I think it's it has a, a direct beneficial effect for people. Nestled on our sofas with a Deliveroo on the way, we're more likely fearing for Villanelle's next victim than pondering the nuts and bolts of the film industry. But it's quite extraordinary what it takes to create even the shortest scenes on film. What is more incredible is the benefits it reaps, from putting Liverpool on the map and providing employment, to the more personal aspects of reflecting stories truthfully and giving cast and crew communication skills and confidence. Alan Bleasdale once said that one of the great qualities of Liverpool is that it is born on words and on people being able to talk about things. And with that being said, it seems that Liverpool is now fully in bloom as the city of storytelling. Thank you for listening to the National Museum's Liverpool podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes from across our varied collections, from the Rebels and Liverpool music from the 60s up until now, to space exploration, should we be going to space. You can find all our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.